Well, again, my name is Pres- James Preston, one of the pastors here at Kingswood Church, and we welcome you tonight to Kingswood, where we seek to love God, serve others, and build sacred community. Uh, along with Pastor Clayton, we're just so glad you're here, and pray this is a wonderful night. As you know, some of you in the room, we've been studying over the last four weeks of Advent these stories from the Bible, stories of Scripture about angels. And you'll remember about four weeks ago, it seems like a long time ago, amen, uh, we talked about the angels' visit, Gabriel to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, reminding them and telling them that finally in their old age they would have a baby who would become John the Baptist. And then you'll remember that Uh, The next week, we talked about the angel Gabriel making another visit to Mary, a young girl betrothed to Joseph, kind of minding her own business, and the angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a baby. That's a lot, right? But the baby's going to be the son of God. Amen, right? That's a lot to carry, right? And so that messenger uh, spoke to Mary, and you'll remember that unlike Zechariah, who had his questions and his doubts, Mary had questions But she said, maybe to quote the Beatles, let it be, amen? Let it be with me. Let it be with me. I will do what you've asked me to do. Then Pastor Clayton, just two weeks ago, talked about the angel unnamed who appeared to Joseph in a dream. Remember, Joseph is considering dismissing the relationship with Mary because of its embarrassment. But in a dream, an angel appears and says, Joseph, stick with it. It seems impossible. It seems crazy. I know you're going to suffer a lot, and there's going to be lots of questions, and people are going to wag their tongues. Amen. But hang in. And then last week, we spent some time talking about the angels of uh, the shepherds, that one angel who appears to them in the darkest of night, and then a host of angels announce that indeed the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace has been born. And so tonight, we go back to that story of those angels. We go back to that night in which Jesus was born in a barn. We go back to that story to hear what an angel might say to us. And, and, and remember, we talked about the word angel. Remember, it just means holy messenger. So it could be heavenly beings, right? But look around. I know you're Methodist, but you can move your heads in worship. Here we go. Turn around, look at each other. Can you do it? There are holy messengers all around us in this room, amen? We help each other in the body of Christ to hear where God is leading, where God is calling us to be light and hope to the world. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this most beautiful night. Our world is crazy. For some of us, our lives are in a mess. For others of us, we've had too much to eat. For others, we are just longing for a word of hope. Whatever our journey, God, we pray tonight that you would open our hearts, our minds, our very selves to hear a word from a holy messenger, an angel, that would call us into the light of Christ to be messengers of hope, to love one another and the world completely, fully, and inclusively, and to seek your justice in every place. Open us now to what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was a Christmas day, 2020. Anybody remember that day? We had just been living in the pandemic for about nine months. Christmas was not as we expected it to be. We didn't gather here. It was dark here. We were at home. You might not have known this. Clayton and I pre-recorded the service. I know you thought we were working late, but we weren't. 
we, we projected that service on Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas Day, it was time for me to travel. My dad was sick, and my parents had asked me to come and spend Christmas and a couple of weeks afterward with them. I had driven to Texas in October during the pandemic, a little anxious and uncertain, but driving gave me some sense of peace. But that wasn't possible in the winter, as you know, and so I had to fly. And it was the first time I had flown in the pandemic, and I'm not a big fan of flying, and I'm certainly not a big fan of flying in the pandemic. Amen? So in those old days, we had cloth masks. Do you remember them? People made them with logos or maps or uh, different kinds of cloth, and, and, and we wore them. And so I remember preparing for the Uber driver at 4.30 in the morning to go to O'Hare to fly to Texas. I had two cloth masks on. And during the week prior, our dear communications director, Lauren Hill, knew that I was anxious and so Lauren gave me a great gift. She gave me a face shield, right? Okay, do you remember these? Right? This is not as nice as what she gave me, right? I mean, it was, it was super. It was double-lined, clicked and locked. I was so excited about my face shield. And so I'm sure as a, the Uber driver picked me up that morning with gloves on, plastic gloves, and two masks, and a super-duper, out-of-control space shield, right? He didn't know what he was doing, right? But he took me to O'Hare, and I got to O'Hare, and though I was extremely nervous and extremely worried, I got through the front door, I got through the ticket counter, I got through security, and I finally got to the gate. Now, you're all pretty relaxed, I'm sure, at the airport. I am not. Pastor Clayton laughs at this every time, but I still print my boarding pass. Amen? I just confess it to you. Who still prints their boarding pass? I need somebody in the room. Amen, right? Okay. So anyway, I printed my boarding pass, and I'm sitting in my chair, but I don't know if you do this. I begin to obsess. Am I at the right gate? Is the flight on the right time? And I just was nervous, and then COVID was going on, and my shield was in place. I couldn't really see my ticket. Everything seemed kind of confusing in the airport. I thought maybe it was just cloudy. Maybe I had was too tired, uh, maybe my eyes were messed up. I didn't know what was going on. And so finally I just went up to the counter. And the person was super nice. She was amazing. Sir, how can I help you? And in all of my nervousness and anxiety, I said to her, I, I just want to make sure this is the right gate. It is. Are you sure I can't really see on my ticket? Yes, here it is. You're at the right place. Is it on time? Yes, can you see the monitor? Not really. I, I, I'm having a hard time seeing uh, with the shield. Can, can you tell me? And she said, you're on time. All is well. And then this messenger, this holy messenger who worked for American Airlines said, Sir, Mr. Preston, can I make a suggestion to you? Can I give you a, a word of advice? And I said, yes, ma'am, please tell me, what can you do for me? And she said, well, at the top of your shield is a little red tab. And if you'll pull it down, there's a film that comes off and you'll be able to see. And so, believe it or not, this peeled off and suddenly the world opened. And I could see the monitor and I could see my ticket and I could see people. It was amazing. I thanked her profusely. What a helpful message to bring clarity to my life. I went and sat down next to another person. Of course, in those days, we didn't sit next to each other. There were three seats. 
a woman, another woman, another holy messenger looked at me and she said, sir, as she called across the three seats, can I make a suggestion to you? Yes, ma'am. What, what is it? And she said, well, I heard what happened at the counter, and I just want to tell you that on the inside of the shield is another film that you can pull off. And friends, it came off, and I could see. Now, I'm telling you, that made the trip a whole lot better, amen? I just remember seeing everything so clearly. And being ever so grateful that these two messengers would speak truth and remove the film on both sides so I could see. Tonight's story is a beautiful story, but it's a story we hear every year. Amen? And sometimes we think we already know what's happening, and you might already have your phone out playing Candy Crush because you say, I know this story. But I'm going to invite you to hear it afresh. Luke gives us a particular version of the birth story, unlike Matthew. It's a great story because in it, it's just really real. And it's also about holy messengers bringing truth, but also clarity, not only to the shepherds, not only to Mary and Joseph, but to you and me. You'll remember the story. Mary and Joseph have been called by a census to travel. Remember the Emperor Augustus, who's in charge of the Roman Empire, who many thought to be a god, of course, and who many people worshipped in empire worship, you probably remember, he calls a census to count the population. It's not because he's excited about changing the population sign of Buffalo Grove, but he is excited because it will help him to know who he can tax to get more money to pay for the troops that oppress all of the people. So it's this amazingly difficult and unjust census that calls Mary and Joseph already in a difficult place. Remember, Mary, unexpectedly pregnant, Joseph, embarrassed and wanting to leave, angels, holy messengers, convincing them both that this is the work of God. And maybe finally, as things have settled a little bit, and Joseph's family has stopped being so embarrassed that they can't stop, maybe they think we're finally going to get a break. And then Augustus calls a census. Now, for us, that's not hard. We fill out that long form or we go online. But for them, it meant you had to go back to your hometown. So for those of us who weren't born in Buffalo Grove, how many of you were not born in Buffalo Grove? Think about your hometown. You would have to go back to that hometown to register for the census. All right? Mary and Joseph, don't get a break. They travel back, we assume on a donkey, we don't know. There certainly were some buses, trains, or a wonderful airplane with counter people who could help pull away the film. Amen, right? You know what I'm saying? The journey probably took four, five, maybe six days from Nazareth in the northern Galilean region all the way to Bethlehem, but that's what they did. Now, maybe they had made arrangements through Verbo or Airbnb or Hotels.com, but that all fell apart. Maybe they had talked to one of Joseph's distant relative and said, can we stay in the guest room? That's how the word can translate. But whatever happened, there was no room. And so they end up in a barn. Or in the ancient world, often people had rooms and then a room attached to their house that housed their animals for safety. It could have been that. But nonetheless, they are in a barn, surrounded by animals. 
And then we're told that the baby is born, and he's not placed in a bassinet from Target, amen? He's placed in a feeding trough. We say manger because that makes us feel better, amen? Oh, a manger. It's a feeding trough. It's where cattle eat. Probably some fresh hay, maybe a couple of linen cloths. (coughs) The baby's wrapped in bands of cloth and placed in a manger. It's not what they expected. And I think maybe they're just beginning to settle in and realize this is our life when something else happens. Out in the fields, say that with me, out in the fields, the shepherds are there. Now remember, shepherds in the day of Jesus were not well thought of. They were at the bottom of the class system. They lived in the dark. They were homeless. They didn't have places to stay, and they took care of sheep. Now, anybody grow up taking care of sheep? Boy, this is a tough, tough crowd. Well, we got one. Praise the Lord. Amen. Right? I raised sheep as a kid. And let me tell you, when Jesus compares this to a sheep, it's not a comment, friends. It's not, it's not a compliment, right? It's a reality of sheep not being the brightest bulbs in the package, right? You know what I'm saying? And shepherds didn't smell good, and they did lots of hard work, and they lived in the darkness at night trying to protect their sheep from the predators, and that was their life. And they were even sometimes thought to not be trustworthy. And so of all people, in the middle of the fields, in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the night, a holy messenger, an angel, appears. And as the the shepherds are sitting there, suddenly the light comes on, The night lights up, and an angel begins to proclaim good news to them and begins to tell them that the Son of God has been born. Glory to God in the highest. And as you heard so beautifully read, the shepherds were terrified, right? Come on, folks. If tonight you go home and you're getting ready for bed, maybe you're going to open a few gifts, and suddenly a person appears in your house and lights up like a neon sign, you're going to be a little frightened, amen? They're scared. They're sorely afraid, according to the King James Version. And they are so frightened. And then the angel says what the angel always says. They always say this. What do they say? Do not be afraid. Yeah, whatever. Come on. And then the angel shares with them this amazing news that the Messiah, the son of David, the king of kings, the prince of peace is born and you have been invited to guest and visit him and and know who he is. And I'm sure they're thinking they're going to Jerusalem, to the palace. I think maybe at least they're going to the Holiday Inn Express, right? Or maybe to Northwest Community Hospital. I don't know. They think they're going somewhere. And they, he says, she says, listen, it's great. And this is what you're going to find. A baby wrapped in bands of cloth. And he's going to be lying in a feeding trough. That's typically not how we announce the birth of a king. Amen? Usually criers and trumpets and flags and joy but the shepherds receive the message and then suddenly other holy messengers appear to bring the clarity of the light of God and these messengers light up the sky and sing glorious praises to God and encourage the shepherds to celebrate this glorious gift for all people and then when they're gone if I were the shepherds I'd say hey did you just see what I saw right And those of us in the suburbs, we're kind of controlling people, right, you know? We might just go back to bed, right? Then get up the next morning as we're going out to get our paper. Hey, Joel, did 
did you see anything strange last night, like a lit up sky, right? The reality is those shepherds didn't do that at all. In fact, they said to one another, this angel has revealed this great message to us. This angel has revealed such good news to us. We're going to go and see this thing that we've heard about. Now, you and I take it for granted because we think of shepherds in little bathrobes walking across the stage, right? But the reality is they had to leave the flocks that were their very existence. They put them at risk as they left in the night and traveled not to Jerusalem, not to Rome, not to Washington, D.C., but they traveled to Bethlehem. And maybe after searching a bit, they found this barn with a woman and her husband and a baby with a few lanterns and some sheep and cattle and whatever else And they are amazed. Things have become clearer for them. They thought they were nobodies. They are somebodies. They thought God had no space for them. God reintroduced them as beautiful and beloved children of God. They saw the clarity of the birth of this child. And their lives were forever changed. Mary and Joseph take it in. Joseph never says a word, amen, in this whole story. Mary takes it in, and Scripture tells us that she treasured and pondered these things in her heart. Of course, they both knew something was up with this baby, right? They'd had angel visits, too. And so they resonated with the shepherds, and the shepherds left glorifying, praising, rejoicing. And I bet their lives were never the same. A messenger brought clarity in the darkness of night that indeed the world had changed. A messenger peeled back the film of injustice, racism, and brokenness, of exclusion, of all of the hatred and brokenness of the world and of the emperor and all of his mess and said, no, this is what's real. This is what God offers. This is the gift. Now, over this series, a few of you have asked me, when are you going to talk about It's a Wonderful Life? Amen, right? I don't know if you know it. It's a film that was done in 1946 by Frank Capra. Anybody seen It's a Wonderful Life? Most of us, right? It's a great Christmas movie. It was originally a radio show. You can see that as a radio show at an amazing production uh, in the city. But it became a film in 1946. George Bailey was played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, Mary Bailey was played by Donna Reed, best actress in the world. Amen, right? Uh, And then there were a host of other characters, right? Remember George Bailey? Grew up in this small town of Bedford Falls. And you'll remember his dad had a little savings and loan. And remember there was a hateful, horrible man who owned most of everything else in town named Mr. Potter. And he was really bad. And he was really mean. And he doesn't really redeem very well. Amen, right? And you'll remember that George Bailey had all these dreams of leaving Bedford Falls and having a totally different life. But over a series of events upon events, George Bailey is continually redirected back to Bedford Falls to take over the savings and loan, to marry Mary and have this life together. But George Bailey is always hoping for something else, right? And you'll remember the kind of key part of the story is that during the Depression, things are falling apart and people are cashing in and it looks like the savings and loan is not going to make it. And if it doesn't make it, then Potter will control the whole town. And every one of us, as we watch it, are rooting for George Bailey. But then his dear, sweet, bumbling uncle loses the money and gives it to Potter. Do you remember that? And all is lost. And George Bailey goes out into the night He snowbanks his car. He says it's all over, and he's just about to end his life. 
And then God introduces an angel, a holy messenger. And I love the story because Clarence, the angel, what an interesting name, right, Clarence, is not the angel you expect. No wings, no glory, no beautiful face. Kind of a bumbling idiot, frankly, right, you know? Can't seem to get it together, hasn't earned his wings. It's really a bad assignment in my opinion, right? But Clarence then takes George Bailey on a series of stops and experiences to show him what Bedford Falls would look like without his life. And you know how the story ends. Because George Bailey sees how much his life and how God has worked through him to bring hope and restoration and love to others. And Clarence convinces him to peel back the film, to take away the inside, and to see what's real and possible and what's beautiful and amazing and all of the amazing things he has done. And he rushes back into his life, and there in his home, everyone's gathered money, his brother's back, and all is restored. Amen? And then we hear a ringing bell, and we know that Clarence got his wings, right? And I love that story. Because it's about clarity. It's about pulling back the film of, of, of uncertainty and doubt. It's about pulling back the film of our self-doubt and hatred. It's about all of the things that are broken in the world. But we peel it back with the Holy Messenger's word and we see what's possible. We see what's real. We see the gift of the birth of a child who is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, our Savior, our Liberator, our friend. So friends, on this Christmas Eve, as you go and prepare for this new year to come, I invite you to take the little red tab and peel it back. And you know what, friends? There's one on the inside as well. And peel it back. And then see more clearly who God intends for you to be. See more clearly who God intends the world to be. See more clearly how Jesus has come to save you and the world and to liberate us in ways we can't imagine. Amen? Sir, can I help you? Yes. What would you say? Peel it back. It's on the inside too. Peel it all the way off. And you can see.